What's up, BYU Radio friends? Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here on the latest BYU Sports Nation. Oh, is there a quarterback controversy brewing at BYU? If Keaton Slovis is healthy, should he start against Iowa State? Or do you go with Jake Retzloff? Plus, Nick Robinson of BYU Basketball breaks down a record night for the Cougars. On the next episode, it's National Signing Day. Men's hoops. Expected to sign a couple. We'll tell you about it. Listen on demand, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, or tune in live at noon Eastern here on BYU Radio. Next on BYU Sports Nation, which quarterback gives BYU the best chance moving forward? Keaton Slovis or Jake Retzloff? BYU freshman wide receiver Parker Kingston details how he and the offense plan to bounce back against Iowa State. And men's basketball sets some new records in their opener against Houston Christian. We'll break it down with assistant coach Nick Robinson. Top 5 Tuesday features the top plays from last night's season opener. Where does that one rank? Women's soccer gets a one seed in the NCAA tournament. We'll tell you who BYU seeks some revenge against in the first round Friday. And women's hoop season is upon us. We'll go live courtside with Jason Shepard live from Bozeman, Montana. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, November 7th. I am Spencer Linton. He is a man who is truly embracing the night, Jerem Jordan. Well, I do love a good night game, uh, as, as many of us do. BYU embracing it as well, wearing the, uh, the black uniforms on Saturday against Iowa State, which look nice. The helmet has, has these little, little flecks of royal blue in it, which is kind of different. And so it's a good look there with uh, Darius Lassiter and A.J. Monkpachan. So uh, let's go, man. Yeah, so you can see the little flex there. You know what I'm saying? It looks like someone just, you know, flicked, flicked a little bit of paint there mm-hmm. slash Starry Night. So, uh, yeah, excited to see that Saturday. Athletic Director Tom Homo has kind of been hesitant on the black uniforms through the years, but he's like, the players just love them so much. I'm going to hear yeah. them. I'm going to let them wear them. Yeah, and, and who are you catering uniforms to? It's two recruits yeah. and players. Um, so basically 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds. What do they like? They like swag. They like style, fashion, stuff that pops. And so variety and, and uniqueness is great. The Sometimes va- you miss, but most of the time BYU makes in the uni game. The vampire Cougs are at their best when they wear black, right? BYU fans hope so. Let's go. A little Transylvania maybe action? Those are funny, man. With that in mind, all rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. They wanna be us, see us in the club and they envy us. Rip a couple bands, let me throw them up. You and your girlfriends wanna show me love. Do we have a quarterback controversy once again at BYU? Jake Retzloff got his first start of the season last week against West Virginia, and as we detailed yesterday, looked pretty good. Keaton Slovis out with an injury. Yesterday, head coach Kalani Satake was asked, if Slovis is healthy, would he take back the starting job? This is what the head football coach said. Everybody that's, that's coming off of injury, they just don't jump into a starting role. You have to, you have to earn the right to get that back. So the competition still continues. Where, uh, we, we want to play the best guy. And so if, if he's cleared, then let's see how far he's cleared. Is he cleared just to, to be on the field as a as a as a player, or can he throw the ball, make the plays that we actually we need our quarterback to make? There are a couple of questions on the top of mind right now. One is, based on what Kalani said, do we feel like Keaton Slovis is healthy? And two, even if he is healthy, 
Who's the best option? Is it Jake Retzloff, given the current construct of the BYU team and a shaky offensive line? Or is it the guy who you went with from day one, Keaton Slovis? Keaton Slovis against Cincinnati and Arkansas is certainly a guy that I would love to see again. Uh, he was really, really good in those games and opportunistic, and he hasn't put up big numbers per se in too many games like at Kansas, but you're playing from behind most of the time, and, and you got to chuck it, and you're scoring a little bit, but uh, you end up losing anyway. So that version of Keaton, I wouldn't mind back. We've seen Keaton for eight games, and um, it hasn't been what he or Aaron Roderick or the fans or us have wanted. Um, does Jake Retzloff give you a better chance to win with his legs and with his ability to ball, get the ball out a little quicker than Keaton Slovis? Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a wrong answer here if Keaton is fully healthy. Now, will Keaton be fully healthy? That's the question. I would probably lean at this point on the start Jake Retzloff thing. Okay. And if Keaton's good to go, yeah, let's go, and let's just see who's most effective. But um, at this point, you've you got to get a win Saturday. If you don't, it's going to be hard to scratch out a win against Oklahoma and at Oklahoma State. So if you want to make a bowl game and put a stamp on this season, you've got to win. So whoever that guy is in practice this week that gives you the best chance to win, play that guy because BYU has to win this game. I don't want to see five losses in a row and five and seven record. That'd be really disappointing, especially after a four and one, five and two start. Sure. But if if I had my druthers at this point, it's early. It's Tuesday. We got five days. Probably Jake Retzloff at this point. If Keaton Slovis is truly healthy, he's undefeated at home. He's four and zero. He's beaten every team that he's played against in Provo, including Texas Tech and Cincinnati in the Big Twelve. Iowa State's probably the best of the three Big 12 teams that BYU will have faced at home to date. No doubt. Once the Cyclones hit the field in Provo. You're telling me 0-6 Cincinnati and struggling Texas Tech? No, it's... Well, Texas Tech just beat TCU. Right, but losing record. I, uh, Iowa State is 4-2 and in league and tied for third. They're, they're a good team. Sure. They, they, they will be the best team that he has played against yes. if he's the quarterback. Yes. I'm always inclined to lean on health and a starter, but I don't think Keaton is healthy. And I don't think he's going to Start be checking. healthy yeah. in time for the Iowa State game. Uh, so if, if he were truly 100%, like, yeah, he's good to go, I'd probably just lean on him. And if it like doesn't work out and it's shaky for a first few, first few drives and BYU's offense is stalling, then maybe he's on a shorter leash and then I put Jake Retzloff in because you know what he's going to be able to do. But because I don't think Keaton's healthy and the offensive line has – not been good the past few games, you need a quarterback that's going to be able to run around. Jake Retzloff yeah. is going to need his escapability to make up for the inefficiency and the uh, lack of protection from the offensive line in recent weeks. Riddle me this. Why wouldn't BYU play Jake Retzloff, given how bad the O-line's been? Why not? It feels like a no-brainer. Why not? Because he has the ability to run around. He does something else. BYU has stunk for eight, now nine games on offense. Um, and, and did Jake blow the roof off thing? No. But he did a couple of things yeah. where I was like, okay, that was something new and different. And when, when you're struggling, you seek a new and different option. Yes. And that is Jake Retzloff. I, I think BYU should start Jake, and then you proceed from there. If he struggles and then Keaton gets healthy and you want to put him in against Oklahoma, okay, Keaton's been in the fight, right? But unfortunately, things have not gone well um, with the entire offense. It's not an indictment on any individual, but it is an indictment on all the individuals of the offense that they have not been good enough. And uh, 
I, why not start Jake Retzloff? I, I think there's more in that space than there is to go back to Keaton in, in this space. Sure. It's not an indictment. Well, it's just been a struggle. Why not, Jake? Why not? He didn't show us a ton of negative on Saturday. We saw a lot of encouraging things. Yeah. No, I mean, there's some tape on Jake now, but not enough for, like, BYU fans to legitimately be worried that, okay, well, now Iowa State's going to know what to do against Jake, too. They've seen Keaton. They've seen – it, like, I heard that argument last night. Well, there's tape on Jake now, and it's like, well. Like, the element of surprise is over. He's played a game, so what? Not that much. For Keaton, the other X factor is. Good players overcome the tape that's out there. How healthy is the offensive line? Like, if you roll out Connor Pay and you have healthy guards in Paul Miley and Waylon Lapuajo, and then you've got Kaim and Kingsley Suamataia as your tackles, and they're all in pretty good shape, and Keaton's healthy. They've not then, been good when healthy. Then I'm fine. They've been Doesn't okay at me. times. Like, they were good enough. They, they had their flashes against Texas Tech and Cincinnati, right, when Keaton was the quarterback. Like, and BYU had a little bit of a run game against Texas Tech. En- enough. Yeah. They ran for a season best against Texas Tech yeah, on the it's, ground. It's not been good even when people were healthy. So I'm saying, like, if, if you were to tell me, like, that offensive line that played against Texas Tech, with those guys are healthy enough and Keaton's healthy, then I'm inclined to give Keaton another shot. It's, for me, it's too early to just close the book on him and say, okay, you're done. It's Jake Retzloff's team now. It's too early. But if the offensive line is not healthy and they're not and Keaton is not healthy, then Jake should be the guy. Jake's going to make up for the deficiencies of the offensive line with his ability to move and ad-lib and do some things out of system. Like, that's not Keaton's game. It just isn't. It it isn't. It's not his fault that the offensive line has not been good and he hasn't had a run game. I just want production. I don't really care who it is. If Kid Fennigan's the best option, play him. Like, (laughs) but it seems like Jake Retzloff just gives you an option there that you haven't seen. We've seen eight games of the offense with Keaton Slovis, and it's not been yeah. good. And frankly, it wasn't great with Jake Retzloff, but we just saw a few moments where it was like, oh, okay, that's a little different. Well, and guess what? There's a reality that Jake could get the start and play the whole game. Maybe he doesn't play well, and things go off the rails against Iowa State. But he needs an opportunity yes, to show what he can do. for sure. Yeah. Give, him, give him a shot at home, not against at West Virginia. the number one defense by yards in the Big 12, by the way. So that's a challenge. Give him and a then shot. And Oklahoma comes in. That, that's been a pretty good defense all year. Oklahoma State, second best team in the Big 12, in my opinion. That's a tough final three. By man. the way, BYU opened up as a nine-point underdog. That line has moved now to six and a half. Maybe some people buying in on the BYU at home at night scenario. I don't know. But Jake Retzloff <laughs> has a chance, we think, to lead BYU to their best win of the season against the number one ranked defense in the Big 12. Oh would, it, oh, would it be? Is it? Oh, that's a good question. Maybe, that's a lot to ask. Would it be the best one of the season? Yeah. It would get BYU bowl eligible. Yeah, is it better than? Would it? Yeah, I. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is it better than Road SEC Arkansas, who's three and six? Um, that's a pretty good one, but I know. If you beat I'm Iowa State, who's yeah. four and two in conference, and it gets you bowl eligible, and you do so with the backup quarterback. Backs against the wall. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Maybe we should have that as our question of the day tomorrow. It's better than Cincinnati. <laughs> our question of the day today is this. What do you think? You've heard the reasoning from Jerem and from me. If Keaton Slovis is healthy, who should start at quarterback for BYU this Saturday against Iowa State? You going with Slovis or Retzloff? Kevin Kelly on Facebook says, as long as bowl eligibility is a possibility – 
I'm not ready to give up on the season and start looking to the future with quotes. Oh, I don't think it's giving it up on the future. Just who gives you the best chance to win? It's about Saturday. now winning. Yeah. No, no. The future is overrated. Kevin Kelly. Future us can worry about okay. future that. So Kevin continues. I think yeah. Slovis has yeah. the best chance of getting BYU that sixth win. Again, assuming health. Assuming health. But you need right. a better, healthier offensive line, too, if you're going to put Keaton back there. Yes. I don't want to get him killed. Yes. Goodness. And the, the defense is going to have to create takeaways. That's the only model that's worked for BYU against Parafash. They've done that at You've home. You've got to be, like, plus two and opportunistic. Topic two. Men's hoops beat Houston Christian 110-63 last night. What was the most surprising part of that performance? 27 three-pointer shot in the first half. That was unbelievable. Or was it 26? No, it was 27. That was unbelievable. 43 in the game. Yeah. Like, BYU just made no secret about it. Like, they are going to shoot a ton of threes. Favorite quote of the night came from Spencer Johnson last night in my interview postgame when he said, we have been told that if we have an open three or a decent look at three and we don't take the shot, we are being selfish. It's a shooter's dream to hear that commentary. Yeah, I could have played on this BYU team. I thought BYU was going to shoot a lot of threes. We thought, okay, maybe 30, to, make. 30 to 35. They shot 43 and 27 in the first half. Yeah. When you make 15 for 43, that's good enough percentage. Analytics-wise, you're going to be in a lot of games. I hope it doesn't take BYU 43 every game to make 15. But if you make 15 threes at that volume and you can get that many threes up, this is going to help equalize things a little bit for yeah. BYU. So that was probably the most surprising thing is it exceeded my expectations. I expected a lot, and they jumped over what I expected by about 10 more attempts. Incredible. Um, so, yeah, that probably was the most surprising part of the entire performance. And then it's always nice to hit 110. That doesn't happen often. Most in the Pope era, most in a season opener in BYU history. and uh, that First was, time that since 2016, great. BYU's hit 110 yeah, points. That's great. Um, what about you? What surprised you? Covering. Uh, the Vegas line was big, 32.5 by tip. That, that was that was good. 47-point win, always good. Uh, the flow was good, 27 assists on 40 made shots, plus 34 boards was awesome, plus uh, 21 offensive rebounds was amazing. Uh, remember, uh, this is not a fully healthy BYU team. Dallin Hall banged up, coming off the bench. Jackson Robinson banged up, coming off the bench. Ali Khalifa banged up, coming off the bench. Like I expect those three to be starters once they're uh, a little healthier. No Dawson Baker, who from all uh, indications is perhaps BYU's best guard on the team, um, is, is still out, right, mm. for the foreseeable future. We'll see when he comes back. That was good, man. Uh, but, yeah, the, the pace and threes were interesting. The fact that BYU can run and gun and actually get shots up and make enough. 15 is good. Uh, that's 35%. Absolutely fantastic. Like, don't need high 30s per se. If, if you're, you're shooting get, that many and you shoot 35%, fine. I'll take that. It negates game. the lower percentage. I'll take that. And 35 is not a low percentage. Um, that's like good, good average. Like, that's fine. I would love, you know, 42%, but that's not going to happen every night. So, yeah, it was good. Um, limited front court kind of usage in this game. Didn't need them per se. They're certainly going to be used and needed on Friday against San Diego State. But, yeah, not a lot to complain about. Um, again, BYU's kind of banged up and still. One by 47. Eh, Houston Christian's not that good. They're not. BYU did what Michigan did, not sign-stealing. They played nobody and have performed well. <laughs> that, that, that part of the Michigan analogy was, was, uh, worked for me last night. Okay. So that's great. 
And now you play a, a legit team, San Diego State, on Friday. You know what I loved? Only nine turnovers and 27 assists. That's a three to one assist to turnover ratio as a team. That's really nice. Really good. I know Houston Christian is a terrible defensive basketball team, but BYU still had to take, recognize those shots, and make a bunch of them, and they did. Oh, Noah Waterman, by the way. 16 points, eight boards. If they can get kind of a eight and six from him this year, all year average, that'd be nice. Because the dude's 6'11, crash the glass. And just see if you can't get yeah. a couple of rebounds and make a three here or there. Like, he's playing harder, and I, I really appreciate that. Trevin Nell has not played in a long time. He was really good. Ali Khalifa, you can see some of his passing prowess that we've talked about. Uh, it was fun, man. BYU's got shooters. They've got some unique uh, front court players, right? Trey Stewart played better in this game, got his first start in a BYU uniform, which was cool. Richie Saunders with the energy. Tiki Ali Atiki, this is not the three that he put up at the very end, which was hilarious. <laughs> Which, by the way, Atiki can knock down threes. I've seen it in shoot around. Like, it's not like he can't shoot, but that shot was terrible. Well, just not off the top, of, <laughs> not off the top of the backboard, right? <laughs> that looked like my first shot from three when I warm up. Maybe the best thing that happened last night for BYU men's basketball is they still didn't have to show anything, Jerem. They yeah. did not have to show anything. Yeah. So all of their sets and designs and real scheming plays. Those are all going to come out for the first time yeah. against San Diego And State. for some reason, the BYU football offense has also not shown it quite yet. They're oh, waiting until game nine. stop it. <laughs> no, game 10. They're waiting until game 10 to show it. Now they bust it out on Saturday. Now the playbook's I'm open. I'm so excited. Now, now it's open. Now the playbook's open. All ah, right. That was a cheap shot. You're right. It's two for Tuesday. So our second question of this two for Tuesday is, what was the most surprising part of BYU men's basketball's performance against Houston Christian to all of you? Jeremy V on X chimes in with, Trevin Nell was on fire coming back from injury. Dude, 593 days since a, like a game that counted. That's amazing. Ready to shoot, Jack, his, immediately. His uh, career high is 20 against Gonzaga in the 21 WCC title game. Almost, almost eclipsed that right away. First game, boom, first play, boom. He shot lights out, especially in the first half. Yeah, and he, he was, was awesome, red man. hot. The shot doctor, Trevin Nell. Shot doctor. Let's go. Bennett Washburn on Instagram says that BYU only gave up 18 points in the first half. They had a 38-point lead at halftime. Uh, yeah, if you want to complain about something, hey, 45 allowed in the second half. It's like, you're up so big. It's, uh, and you're not there, – there's no plays called. It's just kind of like a free-for-like, like, go out there and be creative. Well, defensively accomplished. But <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Hashtag BYUSN on X, Facebook, and Instagram. After further review, we'll review many things further after later tonight, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app from the West Virginia game, which is forgettable, but we won't forget until after the show. All right, joining us after the break, BYU men's basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson on that record night shooting for the Cougars and how BYU is getting ready for a huge challenge against San Diego State. This is BYU Sports Nation. basketball here we go from Provo and we are underway something about being in the Big 12 shows it drives it and scores it he gave it and he got it and he hammers it home we are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play hoop it up loving those highlights I'm Spencer Linton Jerem Jordan has moved over to the Cougar Council room where BYU men's basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson has joined him guys all right, thanks, Spence. Uh, Nick, what a performance last night. I'm not sure 
what you expected, but uh, that was even better than what I was hoping for last night. What did, what did you see? Well, we expected The Rock to be in full force, which they were. We expected our guys to come out and play together. Uh, I'm not sure we expected uh, you know, quite the result that we got, but we were super pleased with the effort of our guys and super pleased that they were able to come out and execute what we asked them to do. Nowadays, people expect a lot of threes, but that was the most threes BYU had ever taken, 43. You made 15. How'd you feel about that number? Because that uh, was the most ever in BYU history. Yeah, I think we felt really good about that uh, number last night. Uh, you know, our guys uh, took great uh, shots uh, from the three-point line, and then we did an outstanding job of uh, offensive rebounding, which allowed us uh, some more opportunities from the three-point line. So I think we had 21 offensive rebounds. Um, but again, our guys did a great job of moving the basketball, playing with space and pace, um, which allowed us to be able to shoot that many. Now, there may be those that go, well, I, I don't know much about Houston Christian, like you're supposed to beat them big. I don't know if you're supposed to beat them by 47 or score 110, but what you guys did was perform well independent of opponent. And we'll get to San Diego State in a second, but 110 points, that's the most in the, the Pope era, which is you and this staff. How pleased were you with the flow of the offense? And again, this is with a team that has had some injuries here the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think Coach Pope and Coach Fee were really pleased with how our guys uh, played with pace. Uh, you know, Keegan Brown, our analytics guy, has been talking a lot about, um, you know, our pace uh, as well as our ability to be able to take care of the basketball, which we did last night um, in both areas. And so, uh, you know, for our guys to come out and execute uh, at that end of the floor, uh, which led to a lot of three-point shots, but it also led to uh, some really good baskets in the paint um, and some great ball movement. Um, so our guys, uh, you know, came out and they did that themselves. Uh, but I think they got a lot of uh, energy on the offensive side of the ball from their defensive effort as well. This team's played good defense the last couple of years. Uh, Ken Palm, you know, top 50 in there quite a bit, which, frankly, we're not that used to in BYU basketball history. It's like score a bunch and then play good enough defense. But why specifically is pace so important to this team? You know, I think as we continue to finish our defense, right, uh, we only allowed one offensive rebound um, last night, which was incredible, right, for us. Uh, but to be able to finish our defense, our guys get excited to be able to get out in transition. And so, you know, whether it's a make or a miss, uh, our ability to move on to the next play offensively um, is something that we've uh, talked a lot about right through the summer, into the fall, uh, and our guys are really embracing that. Uh, it's pretty exciting for everybody else to watch. It's exciting when you uh, perform like that last night. Um, okay, 110 points. 20 of those come from Spencer Johnson. That's a new career high. He is evolving. We're seeing new parts of his game. What sticks out the most in that evolvement? You know, one of, one of five guys that scored in double figures last night, you know, Spencer's ability to be able to see the game uh, before it happens. Um, you know, he's playing with a very uh, you know, fast pace, but in his mind, it feels like the game has slowed down to the point uh, to where he's able to make great decisions uh, regardless of the situation that he's in. And a lot of that just comes with experience. He's been in college basketball for a little while now, um, but we're, we're super excited that, you know, on night number one, right, he was able to walk away, I think, with seven assists and no turnovers. Um, you know, that, that's a great development for him um, despite the points because uh, we know that he will come out and guard uh, you know, at a very high level, uh, but to be able to play at that pace, um, you know, make his teammates better uh, and get that in return uh, from a point perspective was pretty exciting. 
He's the oldest player in college basketball, apparently. A couple of sources looking That's at officially. The third <laughs> oldest player in college basketball is Trevin Nell, who had not played in 593 days in a, a meaningful game, and he comes out and scores 19 points. Yeah, I mean, to be able to have uh, Trevin back in the mix, um, you know, doing a solid job, uh, you know, defensively, but also to come out, and I think he made the first three of the game, uh, was a, a great uh, sign for us, but also for him. Uh, to be able to be back on the floor, back, uh, you know, in the Marriott Center uh, after a number of days uh, off, uh, I know he was like, super excited about the opportunity, took advantage of it. And Noah Waterman is playing much better. Feels like he's... Uh... You know, working hard to hit the glass, had eight rebounds and scored a BYU high 16 points last night. That was awesome. Yeah, I mean, for Noah right now, he's playing great basketball. Um, he's doing a great job of keeping it simple on the offensive end. Um, he's doing a great job uh, defensively and also rebounding, which you mentioned. Um, you know, for him at his size and the progression that he's made, right, under Coach Pope's tutelage over the past uh, year and a bit, um, is really, really exciting for all of our guys. What does the future look like in the front court with Ali Khalifa kind of getting in better shape and, and Foos wasn't necessarily needed last night, six points, but did have nine rebounds and Atiki Ali Atiki with a little bit of thumb injury coming along. Because Noah is 6'11", but he's not like a true front court player. And when you get into the Big 12, obviously you're going to see a little more size than last night. So what does that group kind of look like in terms of what you need and when you need them to maybe uh, contribute a little more than what they did last night. Yeah, what's great about our front court right now is they're so uniquely different, right? Each guy has a different strength on the offensive end, and each guy brings something different strength-wise on the defensive end. And so, you know, Coach Pope's emphasis, uh, you know, with this team as they continue to lead, you know, the team uh, through the players and amongst each other, it's really capitalize on each other's individual strengths. And so, you know, as we progress to Friday versus San Diego State, we're going to really be tested uh, versus their front court um, you know and we hope that our strengths uh, will be uniquely enough to be able to uh, capitalize in ways that we need to they've always been pretty good last year was the best year ever for San Diego State all the way to the national title game and it was it was fun to watch now they come into the Merritt Center a team that you guys are familiar with you played every year um, here which I hope you do by the way do you guys want to play San Diego State every year still? You know, it's been an incredible series. Uh, we'll see what the future holds. Uh, but to this point, I think we're two and two in the series. This is kind and of the so rubber match, the best rubber of five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting because this is probably a quad one. You don't need that many in non-conference, but as the scheduler, you put it on there. I appreciate that, Nick. What what does it mean to kind of play them again, and you kind of know their personnel? Although both teams obviously getting a couple new players, but. This will be a real test and kind of to see where you're at in game two. Yeah, I mean, to have, again, right, a top 25 team in San Diego State. They're fresh off of uh, an amazing season last year. Um, you know, their style of play and what we're trying to do, right, is very different. And so, you know, it's exciting for us at this, you know, point in time of the year to be able to go up against San Diego State and find out exactly where we are as a team, right? Has, uh, you know, our summer progression, has each individual guy's development, um, has our fall and our training camp, right, and our precinct at this point, uh, you know, where are we at this particular stage in the year as we continue to try to progress to prepare for the Big 12? And the Big 12 play will certainly be a challenge, as we know, but we're seeing different, uh, you know, metrics is saying, hey, expectations are low for BYU. Others are a little higher than maybe expected. Ken Palm's top 40 right now. Lenardi has you fifth out. Jay Billis had you 55. TeamRanks.com is, is giving some favorable numbers. How do you guys approach kind of like, okay, 
We know we could be good. We're a little banged up right now. We've started this journey and uh, we want to be good in March and November, of course. But how are you guys kind of approaching what this will take to be in the postseason in March? Yeah, I mean, all the analytics, right, as we know, right, Keegan, Coach Bob, the rest of the staff, we take those, you know, very seriously. But we also understand, right, that every single game is different. Um, at this particular stage, um, do the analytics matter? Maybe a little bit, uh, but for us what matters most is that each guy individually and collectively gets better every day. And so, you know, the metrics that we're focused on right now uh, really isn't game-based, right? It's not nationally based. It's really on what did we do in practice right yesterday? What did we do in practice last week? Um, you know, how are we, you know, functioning metrically, right, offensively and defensively with the internal goals that we have? And so, you know, what we can control really matters for us right now. And so we're really trying to take that one day at a time approach. It's easier said than done, um, but we really hope that that will then, you know, allow the other national metrics to take, um, you know, place as they need to. Well, best of luck uh, coming up Friday against San Diego State. Thanks for the time, and uh, good luck tomorrow on signing day. Big day for the program. We appreciate it, Nick. Thanks, John. Appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen. Brand new edition of BYU Football with Kalani Satake and player guest Camden Garrett. 8.30 Eastern live on the BYU TV app. Who's going to start a quarterback? I bet it'll be asked again. And up next, BYU women's soccer earns a number one seed in the NCAA tournament and have a first-round rematch with one of the two teams to beat the Cougars this season. Do we like the opening matchup? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media if you'd like. This is America. You can do that on <laughs> uh, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your headlines. BYU football plays Iowa State Saturday night. The Clones are a six and a half point favorite in Vegas. Here's Kalani Satake on the matchup. When you see what uh, Matt Campbell does as a coach, uh, you, you see why the program uh, is known for their toughness. And, uh, you know, they, that's in all three phases. They, they, that's the thing that stands out. They play the game uh, with a, a certain level of toughness. And I'm looking forward to uh, getting our guys to answer it because you can see it on film. By the way, the BYU-Oklahoma kick time is in the six-day selection window, which we didn't know existed until the last couple of weeks, meaning we'll learn that kick no later than Monday. Well, the New York media hates Zach Wilson again. <laughs> Dang it. Gosh. Former BYU quarterback completed 33 of 49 passes for 263 yards. No touchdowns, no interceptions, but the Jets lose at home 27-6 to Michael Davis and the Los Angeles Chargers. Zach was sacked six times, lost two fumbles. Davis, by the way, had two tackles and a pass breakup for the Chargers. Men's basketball beat Houston Christian 110-63 in the season opener. Five players in double figures, led by Spencer Johnson with 20, Trevor now with 19. He only made 15 of 43 threes, a program record for attempts, and the 110 points, most in the Mark Pope era, most in a season opener in program history. The Cougars host number 17, San Diego State on Friday. BYU women's soccer. They did it! Yeah! They got a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Yes! And will host Utah State. Bring it! In a rematch, Vengeance Tour on Friday at Southfield. Remember, Utah State is one of only two teams to beat the Cougars head-to-head -head this season. Now, the good news is the grass won't be four inches long and the game will be played in Provo, not in Logan. <laughs> nice. Okay. 
How much of a cow just trim that up there? <laughs> Women's basketball opens up the season at the top of the hour against Montana State on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. We'll chat with Jason Shepard courtside in Bozeman to get the latest in the next segment. BYU women's volleyball holding steady in the latest AVCA poll at number 12. The Cougars hit the road this week in Orlando, play a pair of matches against UCF. They left moments ago. All right. And gymnastics has the schedule out now. Highlights include a Super 16 meet in Vegas, the best of Utah meet on January 15th, and the Big 12 championships on March 23rd. All home matches will be live on Big 12 now on ESPN Plus with your boy, Spender Linton. Let's go. Those are today's headlines. We shall whip it! Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Do you like women's soccer getting a rematch against Utah State in the first round of the NCAA? I cannot like this enough. Swipe up to infinity. Yes. Or is it swipe right when you like something in one of those uh, apps? You and I have been married for a while. We have no clue. <laughs> I really don't know. I have no idea. Uh, what, yeah, what I'm swiping yes on this. I, I am so excited for BYU to have an opportunity to beat Utah State because weirdly, Jerem, BYU hasn't beaten the Aggies in a while. Like they've, they've tied or lost, I believe the last four matches against Utah State. How dare it you is super weird. Right the ship against the Aggies. And I'm glad they get, they get Utah State in Provo. Remember, BYU had an opportunity against Utah Valley similar a couple of years ago when they got blown out a game you called. It was last year. Spence. Yes. It's been a long year. It was last year, bro. Oh, my gosh. It was 4-2. BYU lost to UVU at home and then won 3-0 in the first round. I don't like this game. I love yes. this game. Yes. Let's go. Can't wait for that. ESPN's Basketball Power Index. How about this? Gives BYU and the men's team a chance to beat 17th-ranked San Diego State 62%. 62% chance to win this game. What? Do you like those odds? I think it's weird. I think BYU should be like a way bigger dog in this. I'm not saying BYU's not going to win the game. I'm just saying walking in, the odds should be very different. That's weird to me, man. I, I think BYU has a, like a 38% chance yeah, to win. They are, Again, that the doesn't ones. mean BYU's not going to win the game. BYU plays like it did on uh, Friday. Be just, or uh, last night on yeah. Friday. They're yes. going to be just fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised by this, to say the least. Yeah. I, I thought it was a typo. I'm like, no, no, San Diego State has the 62% chance, right? No, it's you, BYU. No, it's Brigham. The Marriott Center is a special place. Yes, it is. Not and to be confused with the Marriott Center. You know what? BYU played San Diego State really tough last year, and this typically is a close game. Like, BYU's been a tough matchup for San Diego State, more often than not. And vice versa. It's and a, now it's the, a good one. the Aztecs come to Provo on Friday. So I'm more of like... Uh, yeah, BYU, I put him like probably around 40 to 45% chance. 62%. Maybe Jay Billis and these team rankings things, they're on to something with BYU. Team rankings. We don't, we don't know. Team rankings is nuts with BYU right yeah, now. Yeah, no, they're out of control. It's early. Who cares? Out Just of enjoy it. Whatever. What are your expectations for women's hoops this season? Uh, BYU's going to finish in the top half of conference. So they'll yeah. be a top seven team in the Big 12. Like maybe, six maybe sixth or seventh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they will surprise a number of teams. And that led by Lauren Gustin, who's angry at the Big 12 world for not recognizing how special of a player she is. It's on the Naismith watch list, but not even on the Big 12. Come on. Yeah. Sixth, seventh, sixth, seventh place finish in the Big 12. Let's go. All right, speaking of women's basketball, our guy Jason Shepard is currently courtside, joining us live from Montana, just 21 minutes away from tip-off of the season for the Cougars against Montana State. Uh, Jason, how's, up, dog? how's Bozeman, Montana? 
Uh, Bozeman, Montana is awesome. Uh, by the time we landed there last night, it was all dark, so we really couldn't see very much. Uh, but I will tell you, it's beautiful here, uh, and it should be a uh, it should be a fun game today. It's like anytime you start the season, there's a lot of excitement, and uh, it's there's a lot of excitement on this team to begin this year. Not just because you know you're starting in the Big 12 this season, but you know there's a lot of young talent on this roster. I think they're very excited to see what they've got. Yeah, I can't wait to see it as well. It's going to be fun. Um, how's Bozeman been so far? And uh, this is a new journey. We have games on BYU Radio for BYU Women's Hoops all season with you. That's going to be awesome. That's right. Home and away, wherever uh, BYU Women's Basketball is, I will be as well. And we'll have the games for you uh, on BYU Radio and streaming. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Bozeman's been pretty cool. We didn't really get it to see much until today. By the time we got in last night, it was dark and uh, went right to practice, went to shoot around and so I will tell you that it's about 10 to 15 degrees cooler here than it is back home. And their mountains have far more snow on the top. So uh, it's probably just a little bit of a preview of what we can expect uh, in the not too distant future. All right, Jason, uh, it's kids day. So perhaps most importantly, are you ready for the shrill factor of uh, this season opener for BYU with kids day happening for Montana State? Uh, yes, there's a reason why I am not doing this uh, hit at my broadcast location. That's because I'm literally sitting right in front of <laughs> thousands of children. So uh, that's why that's why I moved over to the side so that uh, that I can hear you and you can hear me. They said they're expecting about 4,600 uh, kids from the local area to be here today. Wow. Look, and, and you guys know what it's like when we have kids day and we're actually going to have our kids day on Friday yep. against Weber State. Uh, so the excitement is awesome for it to be the, the you know, season opener. It just adds to the excitement of this uh, this day. So it's going to be a fun one. My daughter, Venna, uh, her school is coming Friday. She's stoked. And so she's like, hey, can you come? I was like, oh, you actually want me to be there with you? Great. Yeah, uh, that'll be awesome. She's not ashamed of you yet. Not, Enjoy that. Not yet. <laughs> yep. Just 10. Not uh, 12 or 13 quite yet. Yep. Um, what do you expect in today's game in the season opener against Montana State, which this is kind of a sneaky, tough road game to start the year? It is, and these two teams, this will mark the fourth year in a row where these two teams have played each other, and Montana State came into Provo last year and beat BYU, although the Cougars have had success. It's an interesting team. BYU has seven new players on the roster. Uh, Nani Falatea will not play today. She's still day-to-day -day with an ankle sprain. Uh, Ari uh, Mackey-Williams is out for the season with a torn ACL. We've known that for a little while. Uh, so, you know, you're going to have an opportunity for the some of the newcomers on this team, some of the young newcomers, to be able to, you know, get some minutes like we saw in the Westminster game. Uh, so it, it should be – this is this is still fact-finding, but I, I, I think that there's, there, is, there is optimism that this team, with the mix of young players and with players like Gustin and Smiler, that, that they can come out and surprise some people. I, I think everybody's excited to see how this plays out today. Great stuff, Shep. Just make sure you bring us back some jerky because that's what you do some, when you're in Bozeman, Montana. Venison. Okay? Bring, bring it back, bro. I'm going to – I'm going to process it myself. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Have a great call, man. <laughs> Thanks. See you guys. Listen to Shep. Top of the hour, 1 Eastern on BYU Radio. Women's hoops uh, all season on BYU Radio. It's going to be awesome. And that is coming up in just a mere 18 minutes. Let's go. After the break, my one-on-one -on -one with BYU freshman wide receiver Parker Kingston. How is he and the BYU offense as a whole trying to turn the page Get right mentally for Iowa State under the lights of Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Listen, he's taking some accountability. Respect for the young guy. This is BYU Sports Nation.
This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Yesterday I had a chance to speak with one of the young receivers making a larger role uh, for playing a larger role for BYU, I should say, Parker Kingston. And guess what? He's ready to take some accountability and ready for the BYU offense to get back on track. That and more discuss in my one-on-one. Parker, new Monday, new week, Iowa State in Provo on Saturday night. What is your personal approach to working through a frustrating game like you had against West Virginia to get yourself mentally prepared for another week and another tough challenge? Yeah, um, just going over the film, seeing what we did wrong, seeing what we can correct, seeing what we can get better on, uh, moving on, just put it in, just forget about it, move on, and focus on this week and coming out in front of LES, being able to play in front of our fans. is We're going to have the energy, we're going to have the hype, and we're going to come out strong this week. So, Now, I know that you're a football junkie. You watch the film closely. So what did you notice about the game film, and what's the number one thing that needs to be fixed in order for BYU to find success again? Yeah, I would just say um, coming together as a whole. Uh, just doing our 111th, everyone doing their job to be able to set the offense up, set whoever up has the ball up for for a good play. Uh, just trust in the play calls, trust in our coaches, and I think that'll really be the spark that uh, lets us go. How was the offense different with Jake Retzloff at quarterback? Um, I wouldn't say there was much of a difference, but he was able to run it, run it, just as well um he's able to he's able to use his legs a lot extend the plays be able to create a create plays with when stuff breaks down with his legs be able to throw on the run so it was cool to see him do that and him be able to get the ball out and he was he was slinging it all over parker kingston is with us on byu sports nation as you again you review the film was it more that West Virginia was doing things to make it difficult for your offense or do you feel like a lot of what happened was more self-inflicted self-inflicted for sure felt like we were moving the ball well but then we just have those one or two self-inflicted uh errors that would uh derail us and i think if we can clean those up that our offense is going to be something special you mentioned coming home having the energy at lavelle edwards stadium it's a night game it's a chance to reset what it is what is it about night games at lavelle edwards stadium that make you feel like we're going to be a totally different team this go around yeah, I just think uh, we feed off that energy from the crowd. The crowd comes, they, they're they going wild, they're going crazy. And I think uh, our team feeds off that. Love We love playing under the lights at Lavelle, and I don't think there's a better place to play than here. So, Now, whether Keaton Slova starts or it's Jake Retzloff again, how much do things change for the wide receiver group in your assignments? Uh, not much. I think we're just going to keep doing what we've been doing, uh, clean up on the little things and keep rolling. What has been the message from your coaches as you try and get right and get ready for Iowa State? Yeah. Uh, just doing our 111th, uh, being being assignment sound, not having stupid mistakes like we've had, and uh, just click and compete with one another and bond together and roll forward. What would earning a sixth win mean to you and this team? getting bowl eligible and and being able to do so against Iowa state this weekend. Yeah, I think it'll be huge being able to get to a bowl game. Uh, I think we'll be able once we get that bowl game win, 
then I think it'll it'll push us even more to be able to get to a better bowl game than what we'd be at if we just had a six win, right? But uh, last year when we got that sixth win, I felt like our whole season turned around, and I think it'll do the same this year. It's always a steep learning curve when you start to see the field a lot and you're still a relatively young player. Where do you feel like you have grown the most over the course of this season? Uh, just the knowledge for the receiver position, uh, understanding the route concepts, the routes, understanding the coverages and how and the leverages that the defenses will play. Um, blocking is probably the biggest one for me. Uh, I never blocked my whole life. So being able to like learn the technique of blocking and doing that is probably the biggest learning curve I've had. It can be a challenge, I'm sure, especially against these big 12 cornerbacks, but I guess how has that changed your perception of what power five football is all about? Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's dudes that we play against every week. There's no like walk in the park that we'll have uh, playing against guys who are one of the highest rated recruits coming out of high school. There's some, there's some dogs out there and we just got to come ready to go. Um, it's different from last year because we would have like, a Dixie, I, we play Utah Tech probably around this time last year where we'd have like a little bit of like a break, but now we're playing Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. So just got to come prepared every week. Parker, it's great to catch up with you, man. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to share with your team for a huge game against Iowa State. Can't yep. wait to watch you back at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Thank you. Thank you. Parker Kingston on BYU Sports Nation. He's blocking now. Never had to do that before in his life. I blocked plenty of people just on Twitter. <laughs> Listen to the newest Deep Blue podcast with Jason Shepard as he talks with Spencer Johnson about his journey to his fourth school, expecting his first child during the season, and becoming one of the top players on BYU's first Big 12 team. It's on the BYU Radio app and where podcasts are found. For due dates, right around that Kansas trip. Yep. <laughs> we'll wrap up today's show with the top five plays from BYU basketball's record night. Did Spencer Johnson make the list? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation for Top 5 Tuesday. We'll go over to the big board to discuss the biggest and top five plays from last night's BYU basketball season opening win against Houston Christian. Number five, Trevin Nail makes the first bucket of the game. It's his first three-pointer, and it's his first game in 593 days. Oh, the form. The pure form. Finished with 19 points and made five threes, baby. He is a pure shooter, man. At number four, how about a guy who just sees the floor so well? Ali Khalifa. Watch him on the offensive rebound. Little tap over to Dallin Hall for the easy layup. Beautiful vision. Dallin Hall found Richie Saunders for a corner three, but Ali there to clean up the mess. Dallin puts it home in his limited minutes. Number three, Trey Stewart diving for a loose ball. Get on the flow! Gets the assist to Spencer Johnson for the layup. Great hustle from Trey Stewart, who had his first start in a BYU uniform. Junior now. Nice bucket by Gordon double Johnson. figures. Absolutely. Attaboy, Trey. At number two, Spencer Johnson looking for Trey Stewart. Guess what? He found him for the dunk on the fast break. And how about the boosties from Trey Stewart? Super athlete. Hope to see more of that on the Marriott Center floor. Career high 10 for Trey, which was awesome. Tied uh, Spencer Johnson's assist career high as well. Yeah, seven. seven. And the top play in the game last night, Ali Khalifa taps the ball in the rebound out to Jackson Robinson. Little, little 
post catch. Oh! Cut and dunk. And then Jackson hangs on the rim. He just kind of bumps it. Woo! I think it was Tristan Moore here. Rip, rip. I love how subtle it is. Yeah. Oh! Ready? Hangs on it. Get out the way! <laughs> Those are the top five plays from last night. Send the message. Our question of the day. Back to BYU football. Quarterback controversy? If Keaton Slovis is healthy, who should start a quarterback for BYU? Do you stay with Jake Retzloff or do you bring Slovis back into the mix? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated comes from Jason Gustafson, who says on Facebook, I trust Slovis to get BYU bowl eligible at night at home with his experience. But is he healthy? If he's healthy, great. You throw him back in there. He's good. But if it's not going well, Jake Retzloff better be ready. Like, BYU just needs to win the game, Smith. Yes. I yeah, don't care about who it is. I, if, because if BYU doesn't win Saturday, you have Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. That is a tall task, so you got to win Saturday. Yes, get that dub. Okay, two for Tuesday. Yeah. Second question is this. What was the most surprising part of BYU men's basketball's performance against Houston Christian? Sydney Bowerbank on Instagram says, I am pleasantly surprised indeed. Still unsure of what to expect this year, but putting up 110 points against any team is impressive. Hasn't happened in seven years. She continues, it went much better than preseason games last year. <laughs> Makes me excited for San Diego State on Friday. Let's go. Yeah, we'll see what that means for Friday. I don't know that there's a ton of connective tissue, but we'll see, man. Um, BYU's ability to get up threes and rebound. And up, it's going to be a different challenge against SDSU, yeah. but let's go. Now for today's Rise and Shoutout, presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. We're number one, a number one seed, BYU women's yes! soccer. Got it for the first time and only second time ever since 2012. We were hoping for this, and now BYU can host, should it win, right, all the way up to the Elite Eight through the Elite Eight, and then go to the College Cup. BYU needs to win four home games and then go back to a College Cup for the second time in three years. They can absolutely yes. do it, Spence. Yes. BYU struggled at home with some ties, haven't lost at home, but they have a clear path now, yes. baby, at Southfield. If chalk prevails, it would be Utah State, USC, Harvard, Texas Tech. The two seed. And the College Cup. Okay, then. All right, so our thanks to today's guests. Nick Robinson and Parker Kingston. Sorry to Dennis, we ran out of time. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Jared Jensen. We'll see you tonight for After Further Review and BYU Football with Kalani Satake on the BYU TV app. Go Cougs!